Hey, Penrith Baptist Church. Uh, how you doing today? And I uh, hope you're enjoying uh, this series that we've been doing called Revive. We've been talking about wanting to find a place of just within ourselves, reviving our passion for God in different ways, in different areas. We, we've talked about reviving our passion for Jesus. And that Easter Sunday was a great day where we, where we talked about that. Uh, we talked about reviving our prayer life. And uh, just seeking God more in prayer, being inspired and being drawn uh, deeper into times of prayer. Uh, we talked about reviving our connections with one another uh, as the body of Christ. As we as we uh, grow together, we go uh, together. And then uh, last week, we were talking about uh, reviving our passion for God's word. And uh, de de delving deeper into God's word, reading it more, just learning what we can learn uh, and being inspired uh, by what we read and uh, the word of God being living and active as the Bible says. But today we're going to keep going further in this series and today's uh, topic is um, unquenchable worship or we could talk about reviving our passion for worship but I've called the messages today unquenchable worship and the word worship Actually, if we want to wind the clock back a little bit, it actually comes from the English word worship comes from uh, worth-ship. And uh, basically, it's talking about what is the worth that you place upon something or someone. And uh, so if you have a high level of worth, um, as we would with God, uh, the supreme level of worth, um, then that's where we get the word worship from. But people can worship all kinds of things these days. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But when we're talking about worship today, we're talking about in the context of worshiping God and living a life that places extreme value uh, upon the Lord in our in our lives. Not that he his worth goes up or down depending on what we think of him, but certainly within our own heart, um, it does. It matters how much value we place upon God in our lives and what he's done for us and who he is to us. And today we're going to be going into the book of Acts, starting with verse uh, chapter 16, starting with verse 16, uh, a well-known story. Um, and I, I love this story and it is account of Paul and Silas. Let's read that now. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison 
and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, let's hit pause right there. We don't really know what hymns they were singing. A lot of the hymns that we sing today uh, were not written then. Um, but possibly this, the, the hymns that they were singing would have been songs from, from the Psalms or maybe other songs that they, have, they had learned that they would use to, to worship God with. And just a, an interesting side thought, when it comes to music, why music? Why sing? Um, just this amazing thought that God is the inventor of music. Music is in heaven. And uh, we know that the angels are singing. So before the first note was ever sung on earth, music was already being sung in heaven. And I love these words in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. This is an amazing thought. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. How amazing is that, that not only do we get to sing to God, but God rejoices over us with singing. And I reckon he probably has a pretty amazing singing voice uh, too. He probably takes care of all his own harmonies and, and everything like that. It, would, it probably would sound amazing if we could hear it. And maybe one day we will. But just the thought that music is not man's invention, that music actually stems from, from heaven itself. Let's go back to Acts. Picking up in verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now here's what I'm thinking, if I'm Paul and Silas or one of the other prisoners, I'm thinking freedom. I'm thinking, I'm out of here, surely. That's God moving on our behalf. Here we are praising, singing, worshipping the Lord. And as we do that around midnight, all the, the ground shakes and the doors fly open and the chains come, come off. And surely that's an indication, right, that we've been set free. But that's actually not the context. This is not the, the narrative that we're reading here. Verse 27, the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. 
Amen to that. I feel like we could spend hours talking about this whole passage. There's so much that was going on. For example, like why the, the owners of the female slave cared more about their money and their profits than they did about the girl's freedom and her welfare. Or we could talk about how unfair life can be sometimes when living for Jesus and all we end up doing is is, is persecution in Paul and Silas's case, getting beaten for doing what God had uh, asked them to do to, to preach the gospel and to share the love of Jesus and all it got them was was severely beaten and thrown into prison. We could talk about that or we could talk about how unfair um, it is that um, the other prisoners didn't escape. Like surely, that not that what this means? Isn't that why the, the ch- that's why the chains are gone? What, why did all the other prisoners stay? I'm sure they would have been thinking, surely we can go, Paul and Silas, but no, you've got to stay. Everyone, all the prisoners stayed. Or how amazing it is, we could talk about this, how amazing it is that the jailer and his household came to faith in Christ because Paul and Silas were more interested in the eternal freedom of the jailer and his family than they were in their temporary freedom from a prison cell. So many things that we could talk about from this passage today. But I want to go back to verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. It's been an interesting week in our household this week. Um, On on, um, Tuesday night, um, my wife was helping my daughter clean a fishbowl. It was full of water, fish, little pebbles at the bottom, water, and while I was in her hands, carrying it to the kitchen, and she got into the kitchen, and the glass bowl just basically exploded in her hands. Uh, glass everywhere, water everywhere. The little fish went somewhere and all the little pebbles everywhere, all over the floor. And uh, I wasn't in the room at the time, so all I heard was this massive crash. And uh, came out, obviously, and to see what was going on. What had happened when that fish bowl smashed, my, it, part of the glass had cut my wife's hand on her right hand and uh, so initially we weren't really sure whether it was deep or or not Um, but it turns out it was probably a little bit deeper than initially we thought so we thought we'd better go down to the hospital so about 11 o'clock about 11 o'clock at night we we drive down to the hospital not the place anyone wants to go uh, at any time let alone 11 o'clock at night but off we go down there so that uh, Sam's hand can get taken care of and we're thinking some stitches and, and that sort of thing. Now, Sam and I, we'd already been up all day. Paul and Silas had been up all day. Sam and I had been working all day and Paul and Silas, I'm sure, had been working all day as well. Sam and I did not get beaten up for our work, but Paul and Silas did get beaten up for their work severely beaten Sam and I had the blessing of being able to go to a hospital Paul and Silas were thrown into the deepest and darkest dungeon in the inner cell and so by midnight Sam and I were sitting there at the hospital exhausted thinking how long are we going to be here for how long is this going to go on and Paul and Silas at their midnight hour were singing praying and singing hymns and so knowing that I was going to be speaking on this today 
when I was sitting there in the hospital, I thought, I'm going to see if I can put this into to practice a little bit. I'm going to see if I can uh, use the example of Paul and Silas and actually right there in the hospital at midnight, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I'm going to see if I can just pray and worship for a little while. And uh, so what I did, sitting there in the emergency department with my my head bowed and my eyes closed, I started to to sing. Actually, it was more of a hum and more of a more of a whisper hum there, sitting in the emergency department. And sincerely, though, wanting to connect to God in prayer and in worship. And uh, I started thinking, "How great is our God? Sing with me. How long is this wait?" Certainly, I thought we'd be home by now. And then the, the, the went on. You're the name above all names, but I'm tired of this wait. And my heart will sing. My bed is so great. <laughs> it's a little bit of an indication of what I was like at midnight on Tuesday night when I'm sitting there. Certainly nothing compared to what Paul and Silas were doing, I'm sure. They were praying and they were singing hymns and I was trying, but I was just so tired. Yet they would have been just as tired, more actually, they would have been more tired, more sore, more beaten up uh, and everything. And, and yet here's me living in an amazing country where I can go to a hospital in the middle of the night with my wife who needs to get uh, her hand taken care of, like how blessed are we? And yet I was, I was still feeling so exhausted and tired and I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I actually have no idea how Paul and Sol, Silas uh, did that in that moment. But their worship was unquenchable. It didn't matter what happened to them. Uh, it didn't matter that they didn't know that the chains were going to come off. They had no idea at that point. They just decided that they were going to pray and that they were going to sing hymns. I just wanted to sleep, but they were going to pray and sing hymns. So I had a, a bit of a deeper understanding of Paul and Silas in that moment. Certainly not a full understanding of that moment for them, but definitely a deeper one. And it was hard. It was hard to focus. I found it hard to connect with God. Um, did I mention how tired, tired I was? Now contrast that with Paul and Silas, like we just said, severely beaten. I wasn't. Sam wasn't, well she, well, she had a big cut on her hand, so she qualifies a lot more than I do. Unjust treatment. Paul and Silas had been subjected to unjust treatment. They'd been misunderstood. Can't imagine how much pain they are in from the beatings that they had received, nor how exhausted they must have felt, and yet they still found it in that moment to worship in the way that they did. But I did learn something. When I was sitting there, I want to live a life. I want to live a life of worship that is unquenchable. No matter where I am, I choose to worship. No matter what I'm facing, I choose to worship. No matter how tired I am, I choose to worship. No matter how hard life is, I choose to worship. No matter what anyone says to me or does to me, I will choose to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Worship returns God to the throne of my heart. If I'm not careful, I can allow other things to sit on that throne and God will not beg or plead for our affection. 
He's not going to beg or plead us to, to be on the throne of our heart. He wants us to make that choice that in our life that we choose him. He doesn't choose himself for us. He wants us to choose him to be the Lord of our life. So if I'm not careful, I can allow other things to sit on that throne. Comfort can sit on that throne. Convenience can sit on that throne. Family can sit on that throne. Sport can sit on that throne. Money can sit on that throne. Worry can sit on that throne. Unforgiveness can sit on that throne. Politics can sit on that throne. Social media can sit on that throne. What other people think of you can sit on that throne. Criticism, gossip, addiction, insecurity. These are all things that if we're not careful, they can sit on that throne and they can be the most important things in our life. And here's a thought that we may not often think about. Even the blessings that we have received from God himself can sit on that throne. But when we worship God in spirit and in truth, we remove anything that we have elevated above God in our hearts. And he becomes the life source of our worship and the desire of our heart. And that's how we can live lives of unquenchable worship. So if there's anything other than God on that throne for us today in our heart, he's on his throne. Let's not mistake that. He is on his throne. He is the Lord God Almighty. And uh, he is definitely the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not talking about his role there. Um, he is the Almighty One. But in my heart, is he? Have I elevated anything above him in my heart? So if there's anything in my heart where that is the case, let's deal with that today. And let's live lives of unquenchable worship. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today. Thank you that you are Lord of all. We thank you that on your throne, Lord, you are immovable. That there is nothing, there's no power that can remove you from your throne. You certainly are the King of all kings, the King of majesty, the Lord of glory. And so we come today, Lord, and say we, we want to establish you as the one on our throne in our heart. That before we seek assistance or assurance or affection or whatever it is, Lord, that we're seeking in our lives from anyone else. Lord, that we would find that place in you, that you are the source of life. You are the source of love. You are the source of grace and mercy and goodness. Lord, you are the source of all those things. So, Lord, I pray that, that you would be on the throne of our heart because everything that we need is in you, is you, yourself. And, Lord, our hearts to want to worship and love you back. Lord, I pray that we would live lives of unquenchable worship that always establishes and reminds us that you are number one. You are first in our lives. And we love you for that because there is nothing better than having you as number one in our lives. Anything else that we could chase for ourselves is always going to come up short. But Lord, when you're number one, everything is in your hands. And Lord, we have a peace knowing that you are in control of all things, including our own lives. And we trust you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this word today. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And God bless you.